This is the Fed and Fit Podcast, starting your week off with motivational thoughts on real food and fun fitness activities with Cassie Joy Garcia and co-host Carissa Talbot. Remember our disclaimer, the information and opinions shared in this podcast are solely those of any given individual and not a substitute for medical advice. And here are the ladies. Today we're going to talk about the evolution of beauty standards what true beauty really means today, some post-workout meal ideas, and another no-equipment bodyweight exercise that you can do anywhere. Good morning, everybody. Cassie and Carissa back with another episode of the Fed and Fit podcast. Good morning, Carissa. Good morning, Cassie. (laughs) So today we have decided we're switching a couple things up instead of girl chat. We're going to call it the newsreel. How do you feel about that? I I love it. It's our newsreel. It is. Stuff we want to talk about. And I feel like it opens us up to a few things that I want to talk about today, too. So I think it's kind of cool. So I like, I like the news reel. We'll, we'll try it out. Let us know if you guys like it Yeah, in the let comments. Us, let us know if you like it. We've been reading your, your reviews in iTunes. Really appreciate them all. Um, we've been lucky so far. You guys have given us all five stars. We're so flattered. That's so nice. Amazing. So uh, nice. Thank you guys. So nice. But we're, we're taking your feedback and we're going to keep incorporating that. So keep those reviews coming. So today on my newsreel, I've got my top three. Number one, the podcasts are now transcribed, you guys. So if you are driving or listening while you wash the dishes and you hear something that you like or you want to go back and reread, You don't have to listen to the whole episode all over again. You can just pull up the show notes and scroll to the bottom for the complete transcription. Um, I hope you really enjoy that. I think the lady who's doing our transcriptions is really talented, so I think you'll enjoy that. Um, Number two, I'm going to start posting more recipes on social media. So watch out for those and feel free to share them if you like. You know, when I first started off as a blogger, we only posted recipes on our blogs. And there really, Mm -hmm. there was not an Instagram and Facebook was very different than it is now. And I've just realized that I can reach more of you guys with these healthy recipes by posting them on social media. And at the end of the day, I just want to help as many people as possible eat better. And if they happen to eventually land on my website and subscribe to my newsletter, which FYI is what us bloggers really want is for you to sign up for our newsletters, you know, then that's great. But at the end of the day, all I want for you guys is to really feel empowered in your your food and fitness and lifestyle choices. So be on the lookout for more of those. And then my third update is that enrollment in the July project, Fed and Fit Project, is now open. So it kicks off on Monday, July 6th. For all interested parties, it keeps getting better and better. And remember that when you are a member you um, will get updates to all future stuff. So it's essentially a lifetime membership. So uh, we'll provide a link to uh, that enrollment page in the show notes. And that's it for me. That was pretty quick. Very quick. Very exciting. So uh, my newsreel is I am doing something I should have done 
probably two and a half years ago and I really don't know why it took me so long to do it and even though I never have seen it as anything that's blocked me, I really think it has. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we stand in our own way and we don't even realize that sometimes we just don't pay attention to all the signals in the universe or I don't know. It's just like sometimes there are things that you don't think about that could be blocking you. So if you're having a hard time moving into a different phase in your life or getting past something or working your way through something, you know, physical objects around you can make a big impact, even though we're like, well, that really doesn't matter. Um, so I'll explain what I'm talking about is, um, some of you may know, as I used to be married, I got divorced and we had our rings tattooed on our fingers. Mm -hmm. And I went yesterday and had my first session of laser tattoo removal which oh my gosh, I will tell cool. you, it's, it's very strange for me because when I left there, I just had this, I don't know, it was just like this, this weird feeling of like, I'm so glad I'm doing this. I felt like empowered. I felt, I don't know, it was just weird because it's nothing that ever bothered me because once it lost its significance, it was just this thing on my finger. Um... But I don't know. And then it made me realize, you know, maybe, um, you know, it's just been, it's just been a long time coming. So I'm really happy. Let me tell you, it's painful. <laughs> Dad to removal is not fun, but um, totally worth it when, when it's something like that. So it just made me think about like, you know, maybe you have some objects in your home that are still connected to things that just weren't healthy or maybe things that were toxic for you. Like there's no reason to keep those. Mm -hmm. um, like I don't know. A pair so, of, I'll bring it, I'll bring it back around. Yeah. Um, maybe like a pair of blue jeans that you wore in high school. Like, right. Throw them out. Like get rid of those like things. If you still have skinny jeans that you know, like, no, get rid of them. Why are you still keeping them? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like that, it's just, we're women now. Our bodies are different. Our hips are filled out. Like, that's, yeah, exactly. Like, I think that there's things that we hold on to. I don't know why. I just think it can be a blocker, even if we don't think so. So I'm really excited, although my fingers in, was Aww. in a bit of pain yesterday. <laughs> but I'll live. Um, okay, second update is on my No Cook Paleo Instagram. I'm going to be diligent. With this is every Friday, I'm now going to be doing a follow Friday where I highlight one of my favorite Instagram accounts. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so you can check that out. Um, go back in my feed and check that out if you want. Uh, my third bit of news is, I don't know if any of you saw this, but there was a YouTube video floating around called The Power of Makeup. And it really sparked something interesting because a lot of times when women wear a lot of makeup, it's, and this is what the lady talked about in this video, which I thought was so on point, is it's seen as like, oh, we're insecure, or we're not confident in the way we look, or um, it kind of has a negative, like, oh, you shouldn't wear too much makeup. Where her whole point, which I totally agree in this, is putting on makeup is fun. Mm-hmm. It's something fun you can do, and it, it does make you feel better. And what's wrong with that? That's like 
saying, well, if you, if you dress nice, you must have insecurities about your body. It's, it is like makeup has now like this negative connotation in some circles. And it's like, if you don't wear makeup, that's fine. But like, if you want to, it doesn't mean that there's anything negative going on. It's, I, when I go out and get dressed up, I like to put on makeup. It's fun. I get totally. I like doing my makeup. I totally get that. You know, I think that this is, and this is in the same vein. I know that's why you put it in your newsreel, but this is in the same vein of today's topic. Um, Correct. You know, I look in the mirror, and this is going to come across one of two ways. When you guys hear this, you're going to think one of two things about me. And I think it says, I hate to be this harsh, but I think it says more about you and how you view yourself than how you really view me or what it says about me. But when I look in the mirror without makeup on, I think that I'm beautiful. I do. I think, and that's not something that I always thought, you know, and it's something that I arrived at later in life when I really got to the bottom of, um, you know, I separated myself from what we see in society. But I was like, gosh, you know, like I was made to look this way and it's beautiful. I'm so grateful. Um, And I love makeup. This sister loves mascara. Mascara mascara makes me happy. I love big, beautiful red lipstick. You know, I will wear false eyelashes when most people (laughs) would think that that's just silly. Um, I think I'm beautiful without makeup on. And I also really love my mascara, you know, so I yeah. totally see where you're coming from. Makeup can be fun. I think that false eyelashes are beautiful too. It's like an too. accessory. It's like an it's like ex- putting accessory. on a nice, or like, like when you wear a nice piece of jewelry or cool shoes. I don't know. Like there's, I, I just, I don't like it that there's this negative thing out there, but any, check out the YouTube video, um, of this, of this girl. And so what is happening because of this video, which I think is really cool is all these girls on Instagram now mm-hmm. are doing half faces. So they're showing their face with makeup and without, and like making the statement that like both of these are me, both mm. of these are beautiful. This is both a part of who I am. I love makeup. This is the power of makeup. So I think it's a really cool little women's movement that's going on right now, which is awesome. That's really I love fun. That stuff. I think we are in a really cool era and this is kind of now we're going to bleed into today's topic. Yeah, um, let's get into it. Yeah, so <laughs> today we're going to talk about beauty. We are going to define it. We're going to look up how beauty has evolved across time and different cultures and we're going to see if we can uncom- uncover the common thread and really pick apart and tease out what is the timeless quality of beauty. And before we get into, you know, the definition, the history, and then, you know, our common thread, mm-hmm. I just want to say, I think that just it, it, it's a age old glasses half full or half empty kind of perspective. You know, you can look at the world and how we define beauty and you can either see it as a complete disrepair, you know, like, Oh my gosh, there are so many beauty standards now. How is anyone ever going to live up? I feel so defeated. You can either look at it as you're already defeated or you can look at it as a really cool opportunity like that makeup thing you're talking about. Like, it's a really cool opportunity. I think that we are at an age where the current beauty, is that the right literary term? Flash forward. Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, 
my English teachers, I swear, they read my stuff and they, or they listen to the way I talk and they either are proud of me or they're cringing. <laughs> um, All of mine cringe, so it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, I think what we're going to realize is that beauty is not so much a physical manifestation of what actually makes a person pretty or attractive so much as it is a reflection on what is going on in society at the time. And that's kind of, yeah. we're going we're gonna to pull up some things that are going on in society at the time on some of this walk through history. Um, and I want to say that, to be honest, you guys, when I started, excuse me, when I started researching history of beauty for this episode, I came across this amazing video that BuzzFeed did and you might have already seen it we're going to link to it in the show notes so you can't miss it and it's going to recap mm -hmm. exactly what I'm talking about today um, but when I was researching it I was like gosh darn it BuzzFeed already did it so I am essentially going to tell you guys what BuzzFeed has <laughs> what's put in the together video. yeah Great. what's in the video but it's good stuff let's get started okay uh let's start with uh <clears throat> ancient Egypt okay Ancient Egypt, and to give put this um, at a point in time for you guys, that's essentially um, 1292 to 1069 BC, before Christ. Okay, so what was it like for women in ancient Egypt? Well, it was a very sex-positive culture. And what we mean mm -hmm. by that is that it, there was not a lot of sex shaming. Premarital sex was accepted. Um, women could own property independent of their husbands. They could inherit titles. Um, and what was considered beautiful were was long braided hair, a very symmetrical face, you know, when you think of the pharaohs. Um, their faces were very symmetrical, thick black makeup around the eyes, and the desired body type was slender with a very high waist and narrow shoulders. Okay, so I think it's interesting. Ancient Egypt, um, you know, starting at about 1200 BC, is the oldest culture we're going to talk about today, and it was probably one of the ones that was the most pro-woman rights. I think that's yeah. fascinating. Okay, next up on our list is ancient ancient Greece. Greece. One of my favorite <laughs> eras to study. I was a Latin uh, geek in high school. I even went to the national Latin competition, Junior Classical League Nationals. Thank you very much. Nice. In high school, um, this was five hundred to three hundred BC. So slightly different uh, tone than we heard about in ancient Egypt, but women were referred to then as a deformed male, and that was a quote by Aristotle. So a lot of their art at the time was really derived and inspired by the male form. So there was more pressure actually on men of ancient Greece and Rome um, to have body perfection than women. Women were just looked That's down upon. That's where the... the Greek gods came from. Exactly, the Greek gods. You can think about all of the <laughs> Greek and Roman sculptures of the time, you know, these chiseled mm -hmm. male forms. Um, that's really where that was coming from. And women um, almost were like, well, you're just, you're not beautiful because you're not a chiseled man. Um, mm -hmm. And what they, but what they did consider attractive at the time were women that were plump and full figured. Um, it was really a sign of fertility and wealth. Things like that. Okay. Yes. Next up, another part of the world. 
is the Han Dynasty. Oh, the Mm -hmm. Han Dynasty. My bad. It's okay. Either (laughs) one works. Han Dynasty, 206 BC to 220 AD, so right at the turn. Um, So what that was like for women, their roles and rights in society were really minimized. Um, And feminine beauty was meant to be delicate, slim bodies with an inner glow. And you can kind of think of like the geisha time period. Um, women were expected to have really pale skin, you know, that white, white powder, mm-hmm. long black hair, r- bright red lips, white teeth, and really small feet. I'm sure you've seen some of those uh, eye-popping documentaries where they'd actually break their feet to make them smaller. Oh, crazy. Super crazy. No more crazy than today's plastic surgery, for sure. Um, next up, Italian Renaissance. Italian Renaissance. 1400 to 1700 AD. Um, so this time frame was, it was very Catholic. If we're t- thinking geographically Italian Renaissance, very Catholic society. And women were meant at that time to embody virtue. So the wife's behavior and looks were really a reflection of her husband's status. And you'll start to see as we get closer and closer to today's time frame, some some threads uh, that are kind of showing up in today's society. So there is still a huge trend in today's society that, you know, a woman's uh, behavior is a reflection of her husband. You know, in some very traditional households, that's very true. So beauty and mm-hmm. renaissance ta- in Italy uh, meant a rounded body. These were like the most voluptuous women. Um, a rounded body, full hips, very large breasts, um, and the height of beauty was strawberry blonde hair a really and a really high forehead for whatever reason. But those were considered to be just the utmost beautiful. And, you know, and you think about if you're looking, especially if you watch this BuzzFeed video, a woman who would have been like the supermodel of the Italian Renaissance, I guarantee probably doesn't feel, well, I mean, by, it, by today's standards, People would right. not necessarily consider her a supermodel, or at least by the supermodel era, which we'll talk about in a second, the 1990s especially to the 2000s, but um, pretty interesting. Next yeah. is Victorian England, and this is 1837 to 1901. Queen Victoria, this is her time frame, her reign and motherhood was really highly valued, and that started to become more fashionable. Um, so women... This is really when women started to cinch their waists as tightly as possible. Um, you know, they'd wear those the bone uh, corsets. And mm-hmm. as a result, because they couldn't really get around and move very well because of the cinched waist, they were really separated from any sort of labor. They weren't able to do a whole lot. So they became really pale and soft. And, um, you know, and that was considered to be, because they were inside all the time, that was considered to be really beautiful. And I think of the show, if you guys have ever seen it, the show Rain, I think it's on Netflix or HBO. I can't remember now. Um, but I think it's on Netflix. Is it Netflix? I so. Okay. I, I mean, so. yeah. I, I, I watched it. I enjoyed it. But I, I, I think that that time period was really fascinating. So that's interesting. I think of that fashion. The Roaring Twenties, now getting to like some time frames where our grandparents, your grandparents, um, were probably uh, my live, favorite. Live pieces of this. If yeah. I could go back into time, I would want to go back into the 20s. Really? That's, I've, I've said yeah. that a lot too. I think it sounds like a really fun era. 
the 20s were such a mark on in women's fashion and again the fashion and what was considered beautiful was a reflection on what was going on in society at the time so what went on in society at the time in the 20s women were given the right to vote and there was like this huge like ringing the freedom bell we were so excited and so all of a sudden the fashion took a turn towards an androgynous spin you know yeah that, that was really hot we were women were downplaying their waists wearing very boxy clothing you know shift dresses you know that don't mm-hmm. really show off the waist um, we were flat chests you know really boyish figures were hot so women would actually wear bras that flattened their chests which I thought was really interesting but that was really beautiful and then the short bob haircuts um, it's just, I think that's interesting. And then not too long after that was the golden age of Hollywood, which was in the 1930s to the 1950s. So that's just 10 mm-hmm. years for the roaring 20s fashion. Um, and then all of a sudden the golden age of Hollywood. And here it brings to mind is um, ladies like Marilyn Monroe. You know, yeah. really curvy bodies, really nice nice hips with a nice waist, that hourglass figure. Um, and... And, and that was considered really beautiful. Voluptuous, again, was coming back. Um, swinging 60s. I'm just kind of firing through this because it's getting shorter and shorter because you guys know these these eras better. But the swinging 60s, think about Twiggy. Um, you know, and that was just that 60s, 1960 to 1969. And the trend and what was considered beautiful was tall and thin. You know, and her name Twiggy, that became kind of um, an adjective, that people yeah. would would apply to other women. Uh, a line dresses were really popular in mini skirts, and then in the supermodel era, which was the nineteen. 19- oh, the I had those mini skirts when those first. Came. I remember my grandma was telling me <laughs> about that. She was like, "Those mini." I mean, she just did not like those at all. She didn't like the mini. It's skirts. funny. That's no, funny. No. They are. They're still around today. Those are good. What if yep. it ain't broke? Don't fix it. I really like mini skirts. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, the supermodel era is the 1980s. So here's where we come think of Jane Fonda and Cindy Crawford. And this is really when the staying getting fit started to come up, you know, and and getting active and staying in shape, you know, Jane Fonda's workout stuff, tall, slim, athletic, uh, those were all really considered to be beautiful. Um, however, at the same time they wanted you to have plump breasts. Yeah. You know, so that was the supermodel era. Heroin chic, so to speak, um, was the 1990s, and that was really mm-hmm. fashionable and considered really beautiful. And this is where yeah. we come to mind um, beautiful women like Kate Moss. And she was the, – the trend and what was considered beautiful then was thin, withdrawal, withdrawn, excuse me, and pale, almost kind of like translucent skin. Um, what probably today we consider to not look healthy was considered to be really beautiful in the 90s, you know, really attractive. Yeah. Postmodern beauty, which is today's era, so to speak. And this is the one that I'm thinking we're getting ready to close the book on. Um, I think we're ready for the next. But postmodern beauty, 2000s to today, is beautiful, is considered to be skinny but healthy, large breasts, a large butt, flat stomach, um, and then also with all of that, because it's hard to achieve that, plastic surgery is an all-time high and considered a social norm. Um, yeah. so I think that's interesting. And I think that Tina Fey's, I've used it here on the podcast before at the very beginning, 
Mm-hmm. But one of her quotes from Bossy Pants, which I think is really great, I'm going to read it to you guys real quick, kind of really describes postmodern beauty to a T. She says, Now every girl is expected to have Caucasian blue eyes, full Spanish lips, a classic button nose, hairless Asian skin with a California tan, a Jamaican dance hall ass, long Swedish legs, small Japanese feet, the abs of a lesbian gym owner, the hips of a nine-year-old boy, the arms of Michelle Obama, and doll tits. The person closest Mm -hmm. to actually achieving this look is Kim Kardashian, who, as we know, was made by Russian scientists to sabotage our athletes. I just think that's so funny. Um, it but is. that's what but it's it's true. Yeah. It's what true. Tina what Tina has done is essentially she's looked through and what we have done in society, because we have access to history, which is great. We can learn a lot from our past. What we've done is we've looked back through the eras and we have cherry picked the qualities that we think are most beautiful over time, you know, kind of from the societies that we think were really neat and really beautiful. And we've put all those into this melting pot of what we think is the perfect ideal human now. And that's postmodern beauty, in my opinion. And it's kind of like you said, achievable um, look. Well, and like you said, we beauty and it's, you know, it reflects our culture. And right now we're in this age of technology where we can create anything, right? So it would make sense that we would create I'll put that in quotations, the most, you know, perfect, perfect, you know, what the, like you said, cherry picking those pieces and putting them together. Totally. I think that postmodern beauty, to sum it up, is essentially the era of perfectionism, right? It's whatever we can obsess over the most to make it absolute best, the perfect. You know, we want to be the fittest. We want to be the healthiest. We want to be the slimmest. We want to have the biggest boobs. We want to have the nicest butt. You know, we want to have the most, the longest luxurious hair and a great tan, but no wrinkles. You know, we're, we're looking to optimize. And I think that the, the turn, the next chapter in beauty era is going to be individualism. So the common thread and the takeaway for all of this is, and I want to pose this question first. Can you imagine what the world would be like if we spent as much time spreading joy and love and positivity as we do obsessing over our bodies? You know, that that is, I think that's really it in a nutshell. Outer beauty is a reflection of inner beauty, which you and I have talked about on the show before, mm-hmm. how to boost your inner beauty. But when yeah. you when you are able to really outwardly show love and positivity, it, it shines from within. Um, so yeah. once you stop obsessing about whether or not you have a thigh gap or you've got abs or, you know, you feel confident wearing that backless dress or whatever it is, you know, as soon as you stop worrying about those things and you just start caring about the world around you and know that you are beautiful no matter what it is you actually look like, you know, y- you will shine beauty. So at the end of the day, it's all about your attitude and how you carry yourself. Um, and and we can help each other out a lot as women, I think, by, by really checking ourselves when we start to judge another woman by her physical appearance. Yeah. And I want to be not judged an easy by my habit actions. to break. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it's not an easy habit to break. It's something that we just, you know, we do. And it's good to always, like, you know check yourself and 
you know, I wouldn't want to be judged for that. So let me not judge other women. Cause even if it's a, your silent voice in your head, that can still be toxic either way. So totally. it's really good to just like, yeah, you can stop yourself each in the other tracks. In that way. I, I'm glad you brought mm -hmm. that up because let's say, yeah. let's say you find yourself at a wedding. Okay. And this, and this has happened because I've, I've sat next to people who whisper this in my ear and Lo and behold, I've had the thoughts myself and they're definitely not my proudest moments. But let's say you're sitting at a wedding. It's been a long time since I've had these thoughts because I really worked to overcome them. I had my own body image issues when I was in college and I went through a really dark period. And when you are feeling bad about yourself, that probably turns into a really vicious outlook on other people and you become much more judgmental. But let's say you're sitting at this wedding, the bride walks down and you're like, wow. She looks really great. She must have really like won on a diet before the wedding. You know, like, no, that doesn't help anybody. Instead, if you no. find yourself thinking that, because you may not say it out loud, it may never reach her ears. If it did, it would probably hurt her feelings if anybody ever thought that she needed to lose, you know, but like, right. If, even if it doesn't, isn't something that you audibly say, stop it, tell yourself, no, I am not going to let my brain run away with such toxic thoughts. And you stop right. yourself. Don't don't be upset that your mind went there, but just kind of like redirecting a child or a puppy. Like, no, that's not okay. Instead, look, oh my goodness, look how happy she is. That is so beautiful. Right. She's radiant. You know? Yeah. That is beauty. Start to look at a person's actions and how they show up, not necessarily how they physically are. So right. you be you, you love you, and remember that at the end of the day, that's true beauty. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. Let's, we've done really good on the time on this podcast. So we're working at it. We're doing our we're best. We're working at it. Um, yeah. Let's get let's, into the Fed portion. Let's jump into it real quick. Okay. So for today's Fed portion, I'm going to keep it short. I'm just going to talk briefly about post workout meals. Okay. I get this question a lot. What do you eat after a workout? When do you eat it? How much should I eat? Okay. So I'm going to try to summarize it as much as possible. I think it's most important that post-workout, you guys need to get number one, some vegetable-based carbohydrates in your system. And I'm talking like within 30 minutes to an hour. Okay. And the reason yeah. being is because when you're working out, you're using those that energy stores in your muscles and the window is kind of open, the door is open, and you got to replenish that energy, those glycogen levels. You got to get those back up. And so that's your window to do it. Veggie based carbs are the best. Fruit is okay, but the fructose kind of carbohydrates that we're getting from fruit, it's not going to be as much of a direct punch as it would if you got like a sweet potato or a regular potato or a, um, oh goodness, rice if you're bored and you can tolerate some grains, some white rice. Okay, so what do I eat? There's a snack option and a full meal option. The snack option, post-workout, and if you guys have followed me for a while, you probably know that I am a advocate for three meals a day, no snacks. I don't snack, okay? And we can talk about that a whole nother episode, why, um, but the snack option for a post-workout, the reason why that is okay in my book is because I do want you to replenish those glycogen levels and a little protein is also good at that point in time um, to help rebuild. So what I'll do is if I've already, let's say if I work out mid-morning, okay, at 10 a.m., I've already had my breakfast, 
I'm planning on having my lunch, you know, like around noon or one o'clock and 10 a.m. I work out, I've come home. I'm gonna go ahead and have like half of a small sweet potato and one or two hard boiled eggs. That simple, really straightforward. The full meal option for post-workout. Now this is like, let's say you work out fasting really early, you work out at five o'clock in the morning, you're one of those people, that's great. Um, you And then you come home and you're ready for breakfast. You're like, I need a meal. You're, post- you're like, I'm starving. Yeah, your post-workout <laughs> meal. And you, and, and you probably will find once you really start to become more fat adapted, um, meaning that you can work out fasting early morning without feeling like you don't have energy. Um, and again, we can talk about that in another show too. But um, you come home, you're probably hungry, but you're not like, ready to kill somebody because you need to eat when you're really, when your body's readjusted to this type of metabolic state. Um, but the right. full meal option is, again, a healthy serving of that veggie-based carbs. Get that on your plate, some good protein, some leafy greens, get a lot of leafy greens on there, throw in some fruit just to be balanced. I like berries best and then some healthy fats like avocado, some ghee that maybe you cooked your eggs in, um, Goodness, nuts and seeds. If you tolerate nuts and seeds, those are all great options. There you go. Rapid fire. That was my fed segment. <laughs> love it. Love it. So for today's fit segment, I have an exercise that will kick your butt, but you can do it anywhere with very little space. You know I like these body weight exercises. So I call them push-up squats. So what you're going to do is get in your standard push-up position. So you know you want your feet turned out a little bit. You want your knees tracking over your feet, so you, you want your knees pushing out. So what you're going to do is you're going to do a low squat, so way be- below parallel. So you're going to actually squat all the way down low. Now, of course, if you are not used to doing these lower type of squats, you don't have to go that low. If you need to modify it, you can modify it. And I'll give you a modification for this in a second. But So you're going to squat all the way down to the floor so... It's almost like you get in the position like you're out camping in the woods, (laughs) if that makes sense, everyone. And then what you're going to do is put your hands out in front of you. You're going to step your feet back, and you're going to do a full push-up. And then you're going to come all the way back up. You're going to bring your feet up to your hands, and you're going to stand up. So it's similar to a burpee, except it's very slow and controlled, and you're really getting a wide range of motion. And trust me, these will kick your butt. Now, if you are just starting to work out or um, maybe just doing body exercises are new for you or you have limited mobility, an easy thing you can do is place a, a lower type chair behind you and then face a wall. And then what you're going to do is squat just so your butt hits the edge of the chair. And then what you're going to do is then lean up against the wall and you can do a full wall push-up. And this is a really easy modification for someone who doesn't have a lot of mobility. um, But you can still get a lot of that good range of motion going on. So there's my my fit segment for the day. Cool. Push-up squats. I love them. Those are good. Those those were great tips, Carissa. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Wonderful. Well, I hope you guys got a lot of value out of today's episode. As always, we are thirsty, hungry for your feedback. So (laughs) give it to us in the show notes, on social media. Leave us a review on iTunes. We read them all and I take them to heart. 
please know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. thank you so much for listening. So, so grateful for every single one of you listeners. Um, it, it really means the world that you take the time out of your day to hear just the things that we have to say. Um, please keep us posted on what else we can do for you. And we will be back again next week.